I don't have a tuner on me. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome. Woo, we're hot. <laughs> yeah, we are. It's cold outside, but uh, our mics are hot anyway, aren't they? Yes, they are. <laughs> glad you're here today. Welcome. We're glad, uh, glad to see everyone here. I uh, had a little surprise. I didn't expect all the snow to be out there this morning, but uh, there it is. And, but everything's clear, and we're glad that, you're, that you made your way in to worship with us this morning. I'd like to welcome everyone, welcome our guests especially today. Uh, you're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here. And, uh, and we hope that you'll feel very much part of our family as we worship God together. And uh, if you would drop by our, hus- our hospitality table out there, we have a, a gift that we would like to give to you. A few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. Uh, first of all, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets. Uh, they're in the... Uh, in the uh, maroon folders on each on each row there, we'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out as uh, completely as you feel comfortable. Our, your name, address, phone number, uh, and especially if you'd like to receive our email newsletter, um, please um, put that on there. Put your email address on there. With, that comes out every Thursday. It's a good way to keep up with uh, what's going on in our uh, in our church as far as fellowship and worship opportunities and service opportunities. Speaking of which, we have several things that are coming up uh, in the near future. Uh, Today, this afternoon, we're going to be having a wedding shower for uh, Cassie Tramiel. That's uh, from 2 to 3 o'clock today. Uh, The wedding will be on February the 16th, and all are invited to to come to that. Uh, As you see in your uh, worship folder, please uh, RSVP so we can know how many people are coming. On February the 13th, we're going to be having our blood drive on that Wednesday. And uh, if you would like to make an appointment, please see Jika, and she'll be glad to sign you up for the blood drive. And we've also um, begun a new Bible study series on Wednesday. We, we started this past Wednesday um, on the book of Genesis. We started on, uh, studying the book of Genesis, and our focus is on relationships, how Genesis teaches us how to be in relationship with God and with each other and with our creation. Uh, So hope you can come and be a part of that. We'll be uh, having dinner at our regular time at 545 on Wednesdays, and and then at 630 we'll have our Bible study team. And i got to give a shout-out to our uh, our, uh, Deacon Trivia team. Uh, Our our deacons had a team... um, uh, for the Rotary Trivia Night last night, and um, it did pretty good. It did pretty good. Uh, but I have to say that our team won the best decorated table. And that's thank, thanks to Mary. Mary. Mary did a great job with it, so thank you, Mary, for that. Uh, Mary and John. And John. John. Yeah, John helped. He did what he's told, like a good husband. <laughs> and John. So. Yeah. So that's, that was great. It, it, everybody had a great time, and Rotary raised a lot of good money for, uh, for good causes here in our community and around the world. Uh, it's great to be here with God's people. Let me invite you to stand and greet each well, other. I have an announcement. Uh, our guitar player here, George, just had a new – he did. His wife had a new baby. That's right. So I saw that. Congratulations, He's George. a little sleepy today, so <laughs> – Get used to it. (laughs) Let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord.
children come on up front we've got our, our children's moment here and miss pam will be up here so come on down children whoops let me see if i can share her chair you want to sit in my lap you want to sit in my lap yeah hi you want to sit on the floor why don't you sit come on. oh goodness gracious can you hear me 
What a good group. My, my. You know, a lot of times when I look to have children's moment this time and I look to what Pastor Tim is going to be speaking about, I go, oh, I don't think I want that to talk about that topic, particularly with the children, so you can come up with something different. Well, I looked at this week's, and I saw love, and I thought, well, Valentine's coming up and everything. I thought, this is, this is, this is great. And then I got to thinking, good grief, how much out there, what can you say? What's different? What can we look at on love that we haven't all heard? Well, I got to thinking about the ways we love. Let's think about that a minute. You've got love between parents. Okay, you've got love of parents and kids. You've got the kids loving the parents. You've got loving brother and sister, I hope. Okay. And you've got loving your best friends, your favorite pet. But don't we also go, golly, do I love pizza, and I love it. <laughs> or don't we go, oh, I love my Kentucky Wildcats, okay. Yeah. We love and love and love and love, don't we? Well, let's look at it today as Jesus meant to be, as he taught it. There are two words I want us to listen to. One of them is patient and one of them is kind. Now, patient has to do with, has your, have your parents, anybody ever said to you, I'm losing my patience with you if you don't straighten up? It means they're getting very aggravated with you. Kindness, I think, speaks for itself. Well, let's look at some ways that maybe with Jesus' love in us that we might do. You wouldn't want other people's toys and clothes. Right? It's theirs. You have yours. You don't ever, with that love, you wouldn't think you're better than anybody else. Okay? Listen to this one. You would have your best manners. Oh. oh. You wouldn't throw fits. Oh. You don't paddle on people or laugh when they're sad. In other words, this love never lies. Oh. Now, if we truly have Jesus' love in us, it's a, it's a tall order, isn't it? Because every day, every day, we need to show that love in some way to other people. And if you don't remember one thing I've said today, here he goes. God's love for you is forever. Forever. And don't ever forget that, okay? All right. Thank you.
nice. Please join me in our responsive reading uh, for today. It's in your worship folder and also printed on the screen. God of infinite love, who loves all of us and each of us, we thank you for the gift of this moment, and we offer it to you as a gift of praise, gratitude, and worship. So we offer this worship to you, wanting to believe, daring to believe that you would speak even to the likes of us. Amen. Today's scripture comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to those childish ways. For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but when we see face to face, now I know only in part, then I know will fully know, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, 
hope, and love abide, these three, and the great, greatest of these is love. pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you. Your blessings are numerous and we, are, we fail to count the number. The peace you bring to our hearts is only shadowed by the love you have for us. We pray that we can continue to show your love. Will you please bless, bless these tithes and offerings that we may continue to do your work here and show the people the love that you have for us. In your name, amen. Thank you, choir. Today is the uh, fourth Sunday after Epiphany, and in keeping with the theme of new discoveries, which the word Epiphany intimates, our, our lesson for today is discovering God in love. Now, obviously, we're not talking about 
romantic love here, though Valentine's Day is just a couple of weeks away, just a reminder for the guys out there. You've been warned, okay? Uh, And romantic love is an important part of our lives. I read something uh, funny about an announcement that was made in the chapel service of a very conservative church college a while back. The announcement went like this. It says, there will be no physical contact of any kind between male and female students. There is only one legitimate exception to this rule. If a male student happens to see a female student about to fall, it is permissible to touch her to break her fall. However, the the announcement continued, we shall not tolerate young women making a practice of falling. (laughs) Yes, there are colleges that have, have been that strict. But our lesson for today is about love. The fact is, in fact, it's called, uh, our scripture for today is called the love chapter. It's known to many people as the love chapter. And many of us have probably first heard this read, perhaps at a wedding ceremony. It's read often at wedding ceremonies. And, and I would say it's probably the, the highest expression of love in all of literature. It was composed by the Apostle Paul obviously under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But I also consider it to be one of the most radical chapters in the Bible. Because here is the basic message of this chapter. Now listen to this, folks. You can be more Christian than Jesus himself, but if you are not committed to living a life of love, you have missed the whole point of the gospel. There it is. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. You can be more Christian than Jesus himself, but if you are not committed to living a life of love, you have missed the whole point of the gospel. That's pretty radical, isn't it? It's pretty radical. 1 Corinthians 13 begins like this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Now let's think about that for a moment. This letter was written to the Corinthians, and Corinth was in Greece. And the Greeks held the spoken word in high esteem. Their orators received wide public acclaim. Uh, you may remember uh, Demosthenes, who, who was said to put pebbles in his mouth to, to improve his, his uh, diction. And, and you may remember that 400 years before Paul, a man named Aristotle wrote a book called Rhetoric, which spelled out the rules of public speaking. And that book is still being studied by speech students today. So you see, the Corinthians valued eloquence of speech. It was very important to them. And so Paul begins by saying, it's a great thing to be a fine speaker, to speak in the tongues of men or of angels. But if your heart is not filled with love, then all of your eloquent words are like a bunch of noise, like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Paul continues and says, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. Folks, that's radical. Do you catch what Paul is saying here? He's saying that love is even more important than faith. If I have a faith that can even move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Now think about that. Think about those people in our society who call themselves Christians, but their life is filled with hate. We've seen them. We've known them. They hate Muslims. They hate Jews, they hate Mormons, they hate gays, they even hate other Christians who do not believe exactly as they believe. And they do it all in the name of Jesus. Amazing 
Could it be that these Christians who are so filled with hatred are more likely to end up in hell than the very people that they hate? Well, that could be true if love is more important than faith. Now, you may be thinking, Pastor, you've gone too far now. But folks, it's not me. This is Paul. This is Paul. And if you're not convinced, look at how this chapter ends. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. That's what Paul says. You see, according to Paul, love is even more important than faith. How you live your life is at least as important as what you believe. Now, please do not misunderstand me. I don't want you to go away from here saying, the pastor told us that faith is not important. Don't don't do that. That's not what I am saying at all. The fact is that that we are not going to love as Jesus loved if Jesus doesn't live within our hearts. Faith's very important. And so is hope. But Paul is saying here that love is even more important than faith or hope. But he's not finished yet. He says, if I give all I own to the poor, hmm, but don't have love. You mean you can give all your money to charity or stand out on the streets handing out money to the homeless and do it with an unloving spirit? Can you do that? Well, yeah, you can. You can. I've stood next to folks serving up soup to the homeless, and and all they did the whole time was complain about it and make snide remarks about the people they served. Where's the love there? If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body that I may boast... Or as the King James Version puts it, though I give my body to be burned. Some of you may remember the Vietnam War when Buddhist priests would pour gasoline over their bodies and set themselves on fire. You mean that you can be seized with that kind of religious fervor and and it still won't do anything for you if you don't have love? Well, let me say it again. You can be more Christian than Jesus Himself. But if you're not committed to a life of love, then you've missed the whole point of the Gospel. Now Paul is only expounding on what what Jesus had previously taught. You see, it was Jesus who first said that the greatest commandment of all is to love. To love God and to love our neighbor. The religious Jew in in Jesus' day was committed to keeping more than 600 commandments. But Jesus summed all 600 of those commandments into one teaching. He said everything can be found, all of these commandments can be summed up by this one thing. To love God with all your heart and, and, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He said a new commandment I give to you. Love one another. And he said, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Did you hear that? This is how the world will know that we are a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not by how many Bible verses you can quote. It's not by your perfect attendance at worship. It's not by giving a million dollars to the church. Though if you want to try that, feel free. These are all wonderful acts of devotion. But none of them matter a bit if you let your life be taken over with malice and resentment and hatred. You see, the the central task of any Christian is to love. If this is how people will know that we are followers of Jesus Christ, then isn't that what we should be doing every hour of every day? Showing love to others? Sure it is. 
Bill Wilson is, is a pastor in an inner city church, and his, his mission field is a, it's a dangerous place. It's a very violent place. In fact, he himself has been stabbed twice while ministering to his commun- community. But a, a Puerto Rican uh, woman came, became involved in his church and was led to Christ. And after her conversion, she came to the pastor and said, I want to do something to help with the ministries of this church. Well, Wilson asked her what her talents were, and she couldn't think of any. She couldn't even speak English. But she did love children, so he put her on one of the, the church buses that went out into the neighborhoods, into the community, and transported kids back to the church every Sunday. And every week she performed her duties. She would find the worst-looking kid on the bus and, and put that kid on her lap and whisper over and over the only words that she had learned in English. I love you. Jesus loves you. I love you. Jesus loves you. She would whisper that in, in, in this child's ear over and over as they went to Sunday school and as they went back home. And after several months, she became attached to one particular little boy. The boy never spoke. He came to Sunday school every week with his sister and sat on this woman's lap, but he never made a sound. And every week she would tell him all the way to Sunday school and all the way home, I love you. Jesus loves you. I love you. Jesus loves you. And then one day, to her amazement, the little boy turned around and, and stammered, I, 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 I love you too. And then he put his arms around her and gave her a big hug. That was two that was two thirty on a Sunday afternoon. At six thirty, that boy was found dead. His own drug addicted mother had beat him to death and thrown his body into a dumpster. But folks, listen to this. I love you. And Jesus loves you were some of the last words that this child heard. And the reason he heard them was because an immigrant woman from Puerto Rico was committed to love people in the name of Jesus Christ. But here's what we need to remember. When she held that child on her lap and whispered those words of love, She was fulfilling all of the law and the prophets. That's what Jesus told us. And her witness was more authentic than all of those who strut around in their piety and claim to be righteous. Because the central task of any Christian is this, to love. And because of that, I think that Jesus wants us to be proactive in our love. In other words, we need to be going out there and seeking out people who need our love. There was a missionary named Doug Nichols who went to India in 1967. But unfortunately, while he was still... Starting, uh, uh, just starting his, his language study, he became infected with tuberculosis and he had to be put into a, a sanitarium. But this was not the, the kind of clean, wholesome environment, sanitarium that you might expect here in the United States. This was in India. And while he was in the sanitarium, Doug unsuccessfully tried to witness to, to some of the patients there for Christ, but he was hampered by his inability to speak their language. And when he would offer them a, a gospel tract or a pamphlet, they politely declined. It was obvious that they didn't want anything to do with, with him or his God. But then one night, about 2 o'clock in the morning, Doug woke up coughing. And across the aisle, he noticed an old man that was trying to, to get up out of bed, and the man was was too weak to stand. And so he fell back into his bed crying and, and exhausted. 
And then early the next morning, the, the, the same scene repeated itself. And, and later, the smell that began to permeate the room revealed the obvious. The old man had been trying to get up to go to the bathroom, but he had not made it. The other patients made fun of the old man. The nurses who came to clean up his mess were not kind to him. and In fact, one of them even slapped him on his face. And Nichols said that the old man just laid there and cried. Well, the next night, this scene was repeated. The old man tried in vain to get to his feet. And and even though he himself was, was so very sick and was as weak as a kitten, Doug got out of bed and he placed one arm under the old man's neck and the other under his legs. And and with all of his strength, Doug lifted this sick old man and carried him down the hall to the, the filthy bathroom and gently held the man while he took care of his business. And then he carried the man back to his bed. The old man kissed Doug on the cheek and said in an Indian word meaning, Thank you. The next morning, when Doug woke up, one of the other Indian patients was waiting there to serve him a cup of tea. After the patient served him his tea, he made motions indicating that he wanted one of those tracks. And Doug said, all throughout the day, all through that day, people kept coming to me asking for gospel tracks. And that included the nurses and the interns and the doctors until everybody in the whole hospital had a tract or a booklet or a, a gospel of John. And over the next few days, he says, several told them, told him that they had come to trust Jesus as their Savior. And to think, Nichols says, all I did was to take an old man to the bathroom. Anyone could have done that. Well, yes, anyone could have done that, but they didn't. Now, how did the people in the sanitarium know that Doug was a follower of Jesus? By the pamphlets or the tracts that he passed out? No. They knew that he was a follower of Jesus because of the love that he showed to that pitiful old man. Paul finishes up with these words. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part will disappear. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put, a, put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. But then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? You know the answer. It's love. Pastor Ray Pritchard gives us a wonderful way of grasping what Paul is saying here. He says, suppose you multiply a million by a thousand. You end up with what? One billion. And then after that, you have a trillion. And then there's a quadrillion. And then there's a quintillion. And now Pritchard says, let's do it the way children might do it. Let's start with the the biggest number in the world. Can you imagine it? 
and then multiply that times the biggest number in the world. And now, whatever that number is, let's multiply that by zero. What do you get? You get zero. You see, it doesn't matter what you start with on the left. If the number on the right is zero, the answer will always be zero. Pritchard says God is saying that life without love is zero. You can pile up all of these good deeds, all of the education, all of the spiritual gifts, all of the noble works that you like, but without love it still equals zero. You can be smart, beautiful, strong, wealthy, educated, multilingual, rich, famous, but without love it still equals zero. In other words, you can be more Christian than Jesus himself. But if you're not committed to a life of love, you've missed the whole point of the gospel. And of course, the greatest example of that self-giving love is the cross on which Jesus died. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. In this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and gave us His Son for the expiation of our sins. How will people know that we are followers of Jesus? By our love. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is Amen. Let's sing about love. In heavenly love abiding, number 348, our concluding hymn today is also a hymn of invitation. And there may be someone here today who would like to uh, participate in this love that God has for us to accept the love of Christ, maybe for the first time in your life, and, and to say, yes, I would like to I would like to know this love of God so that I might love others the way you've been talking about. If you've never done that, I hope you'll make that commitment to Christ this morning and to say yes to God's love for you because God loves you more than anything else in the world. He really does. That's why Christ died on the cross. It's because of the love that God has for you. So I hope you'll accept that as a part of your life and live it in your life. Or maybe you, maybe you would like to unite with our church today and be a part of our fellowship as we seek to, to love God and to love others. Or maybe you need the time of prayer this morning. We invite you to come as we sing together in heavenly love abiding. Would you come?
we rejoice that you have created each one of us with the capacity to love you and to love one another. Awaken our love for you so that we can know you better and quicken our love for others so that our capacity to care and to understand and to share may increase every day. Direct our hearts, O God, to your love and faithfulness that we may do the same. Amen.